welcome to the Spiritual Business Spotlight Podcast, where we're shining the light on up-and-coming and influential spiritual entrepreneurs from around the world. Today's podcast is brought to you by Sue Ellis Soller, spiritual advisor and host of this podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. My name is Sue Ellis Soller, and I'm from Spiritual Business Spotlight, and I am honored to have David Gandelman here today. Hi, David. Welcome. Hello, hello. Hi. Hi. So you have such a varied and wide background, and it's really interesting. So tell us about what you do or what sure. you call yourself. Yeah. That part I I struggled with in the past. What is it that I do? <laughs> um, I do a lot. I teach meditation on a few different apps. Uh, some of your listeners maybe have heard of like Insight Timer or Simple Habit. Uh, I teach meditation at a place called The Den in Los Angeles. And I also do a lot of intuitive trainings. Uh, I have a podcast called Energy Matters. I have a sleep podcast and uh, I work one-on-one -on -one with clients. I teach retreats. So a lot. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like a lot and a lot of really cool, interesting, fascinating areas because, yeah. We were talking about this before we started the show of like spiritual people. We like to do so many different things all at once. And how do we rein that in and not like get diffused of energy going in every direction? And that definitely happened to me for a while. And I was saying to you, like every morning I wake up and try to rein that in. Like, what's my real focus here? What am I really doing? And I remember one day I was writing my uh, rewriting my bio for a website or something. And I was like, well, meditation teacher, podcast host, what, what am I here? And I, and I just sat with it for a, while, for a while and I was like, you know, I'm really teaching spirituality. And so that's the title, I guess, I've started to feel most comfortable with the broadest kind of umbrella title is just I'm teaching spirituality in many different forms. Oh, that, yeah, that's wonderful, too. You have the perfect voice for oh, teaching meditation. You. <laughs> thank you. So, do you feel like being a meditation teacher helps you, though, to really kind of connect more with yourself on a daily basis and, and be able to get a better focus? Yeah, you know, there's this memory teacher coach, Jim Quick. You've... If, if you're on Facebook, his ads have probably hit you somewhere. And uh, he's a wonderful speaker. And he, I heard him say once, if you want to learn something, you have to learn it and then you have to teach it. You, right. you, you learn by teaching. And so what I've found as a teacher is every time I teach a class, like I'm meditating, even with my eyes open with the class, I'm working on whatever they're working on. And I'm definitely learning and growing as I go as a teacher. And so for example, one time I, I went through some heartbreak and I thought, oh, this is tough. What should I do? I'm going to build a course about it. I'm going to work through it. And I'm going to teach about it at the same time. And it was so helpful for my process. And I think it made the content more real for the students as well. So that's the way I've always, always approached it. I've never claimed to be Mr. Perfect or anything like that. I'm here to teach what I know, share what I know, and continue to work and grow as I, as I teach. And I've, I love developing that way. So if anyone's listening, thinking, well, maybe I'm not a teacher yet. Maybe I'm not ready. Well, I'm sure there's some kind of life experience, something that you know from your own experience that you want to share. That's all it is. You're sharing your experience. You're sharing your wisdom and hopefully packaging it in a way and giving it structure so somebody else can take it and help themselves. Right. Um, that's a wonderful advice. And especially, you have quite a few different free webinars on your website. I was uh, looking through those today, and you have just a variety of topics that's, you know, really generous of you. 
So my advice, I also I was telling you before we started that I teach entrepreneurship for people who work in wellness and spirituality, because I've found they have such a hard, spiritual people have a really hard time with business because they're so open and loving. They just want to give everything away and then they don't have money for food. And, and so <laughs> one of the things that I always tell my students and I try to practice as, mu as much as I can is give away all of your best content, your value, everything you have for free, give it to the world, see how they respond, see if they want more of it. And then if it's working, then you can create something that you can charge for. And so I've always, I spent years, for example, giving away free content on this app called Insight Timer, mm -hmm. which is now the world's most used meditation app in terms of minutes meditated last year uh people meditated on insight timer for 4.5 billion minutes uh it's out of the 1800 meditation apps that exist they have 64 percent of all the usage combined headspace and calm are like 15 20 percent each so even though they make more money, Insight Timer just, they were giving away everything for free for so long. And I was on there doing that as well. And then later I started to sell courses. But I think because out of like a need for survival, sometimes people in the spiritual world, they just want to start selling things right away. And my, I think it's, it's a little bit more like dating. This is how I like to put it. <laughs> right. Like, you don't ask someone to marry you on the first date. You don't go in for a kiss when you when you meet them. And so when you're if you are building a course or something, it, it's almost like that. Like it's a turn off when someone's like, just give me your money. So I say give away, give it away for free. Help people as much as you can. And if that turns into a business, great. Or maybe you find out I'm not ready for that to turn into a business. So I, I try to teach something for free as much as I can. I have hundreds of hours of free content online, podcasts, meditations, and, and all of that. And, um, and so that's, that's the avenue I've, I've always tried to take and it seems to be working. Well, and I think that's what spiritual people are looking for. Not that heavy sales, pushy, NLP-driven kind of marketing. <laughs> right. But something that's really generous and open and attractive and giving rather than pushing. And, and yeah. I think that's a wonderful uh, philosophy to it. And then people get to know, like, and trust you. And then... Mm -hmm. You know, you're giving away all this great content, but you can have the free stuff and then you can have a really good rate for your one-to-one -one services or your group sessions because exactly. people already know the value of what's there. And, I, you know, I have students that have been listening to my podcast or my online meditations. They'll, they'll come to me and they'll say, I, I listened to you for a year and a half and then I signed up for a class of yours. Right. I'll hear that all the time. And people don't really care what you know until, that, until they know that you care. And so that it's like, again, it's like dating or building a friendship. It's, it takes time to build a, a real relationship. And if you're just looking for the quick win and to run some ads and make money now, that's, I mean, that's not what I'm interested in. And so I'm interested in building a long-term relationship with people. Maybe we spend years together you know, on, on different levels. Maybe one day you come on a retreat with me and we bond and become friends. Uh, and so that's, that's always been my approach. Yeah. Well, and, and I think spiritual work is a different ball game too. You know, it's, it's something that I don't want to go to just anybody to get a reading or to meditate. Right. I want to go to somebody who actually cares about my situation. Yeah. And I've found that people care more about your energy than even what you're saying, you know? Right. So I've seen just this, just today on Instagram, somebody friended me, a spiritual teacher somewhere, and I was looking at their content and I was like, oh, I see a lot of rumor. They could be just more themselves. The, the words are very high level spiritual words, but I, I don't see them as a person coming through. Right. And I think that's what people just like, again, in friendship and dating and anything, you care about the authenticity of the energy that you're, 
you're connecting with. And in spirituality, it's the same. So when you go to get a reading or a healing from somebody, like how is their energy? Do you like it? I mean, I think that's what really what really matters. I don't care how many levels of Reiki they have or how many years of training. I've met people who literally have 30 years of training. I wouldn't let them touch my aura with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> right. <laughs> like back up. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Now you're in LA, which has got to be, I mean, we were talking a little bit about this before. It's, it's like the hub, you know, aside from Sedona probably. Um, But, but it's, it's a really beautiful, intense, spiritual place. It has been for a really long time. How do you feel like, do you feel like, um, I think you mentioned that there's a, an above ground side to it and kind of like a, a little bit of a shallow I mean, end. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. 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 There is a very shallow end. I think, and I mean, that's okay. Right. It's like a pool. Some people are only ready to get into the shallow end. There's the beginning of a process for them and that that's what they're into. So th- that's okay. But there's, yeah, Los Angeles is like, it's Hollywood, right? It's movie central. And so people, there's an energy here of creating a self-image versus discovering the self. And it's very seductive in that way. There's a lot of kind of money going around and fame. Uh, and, and and I teach at the Den, which is a very popular meditation studio right in the center of town. And uh, so, yeah, even I feel that energy sometimes come through and that's a it's definitely a little bit of a love hate relationship <laughs> i don't know how else to put it but uh it it's it is probably the best place in the world for like business in spirituality cuz there's so much going on but it's also a very easy place to lose yourself so you i i would say you have to kind of tread the waters very carefully luckily for me i work like 95% from home i teach you know webinars and work with clients from home so i'm not so in it i only teach a couple times here and there in person uh i teach a little bit at some movie studios and stuff but mostly it's from home so i'm a little bit sheltered but yeah it is something to watch out for <laughs> definitely but i think that's anywhere and especially you know even online, like right now we're being exposed to, you know, just a plethora of teachers and gurus and other um, people who are doing the work that we're doing. And so it's really kind of a, a cacophony of voices and information. And, and sometimes it can get a little bit overwhelming, don't you think? It's very overwhelming. It's like, how do I know? How do I know what teacher to go to? How do I know what's safe and what's what's not safe? Uh, just today, a friend of mine was telling me they went to an ayahuasca ceremony and it was kind of wild seeing some of the energy go around. And I was like, whoa. So couple things on that note. One is you probably will get lost and work with some healers or teachers that are not the best or in alignment with you. And I think that's okay. It's, it's like dating again. It's like you date someone, you go, oh, that's not for me. Lesson learned. Every time you make a mistake or interact with something that's not for you, you get a little bit more information about what your values are. So right. that's not the worst thing. I don't think anyone's going to damage you permanently. But that being, I mean, they could damage you in terms of like you go to a psychic or something and they they program your future in a very unhealthy way, which is something I see a lot of. Like people will hold on to like this psychic told me I'm going to meet the man of my dreams in three years and he's going to have blue eyes. I think that is a very dangerous thing that's happening. Um, It's like giving somebody information when they're not ready. And I see a lot of very, very poorly trained uh, healers who just, you know, did a few weekends worth of work or they're just not it. They're not, you wouldn't go to a surgeon who didn't go to medical school, you know? Right. So for me, uh, at having run an intuitive training center for years, uh, I'm a little particular on that side of the equation. Uh, and, and so if someone was to come to me and say, when am I going to meet the man of my dreams, for example, right? Really common question. Uh, when am I going to meet my soulmate or partner? that person might be eight steps away from that answer. 
Maybe there's child abuse they have to work through. Maybe they're really stuck in confusion. Maybe they believe their partner should be what their parents think their partner should be, and they have to work through that programming or that limitation. So there's a lot of things that need to be looked at maybe before they get there to answer. Once in a while, somebody's totally there and they're just ready to hear it. But I think the majority of the time, someone, people are not. And it's the responsibility of the healer to recognize. It's not just the responsibility, responsibility of the healer to say the answer that they see. It's to recognize where the person is on their journey and almost be a midwife in helping them to their next step. And I think that gets lost because it's not as sexy and maybe it doesn't pay as well. People love going to intuitives that'll just like slam them with the best answers. Very clear, direct, no fuzziness. The fuzziness sometimes comes because you're fuzzy as the person being read or healed. So that's why there's fuzziness. So if somebody comes to me and I'm like, I see confusion, they're like, yeah, I'm super confused. I'm like, okay, well, that's where you are. Let's start there. They're like, I, I had a guy come to me and say, he was really tough to work with. And eventually I just said, just tell me why you're here. And he said, I, I want to be famous. And I was like, oh, Lord, LA. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. I said, well, I see you got all these steps to work through before you can get to a place like that. And he's like, no, just tell me how to get there. I, I just, I want to get there now. And I was like, honestly, I can't help you. That'd be like dropping you off on top of Mount Everest. You'll die of altitude sickness. You got to climb up yourself. Um, I'm not here to do that for you. And he just got up and left. And was like, nah, you're no good for me. <laughs> well, that though is, is probably one of the most frustrating and typical aspects of, the, of, of doing readings and of doing the work in a very honest and, and with integrity is yes. really kind of saying, you know, I keep seeing this not because I'm trying to fool you or because I want you to come back or whatever. I'm, I'm seeing this because you need to take this step, just like you said, in order to be ready for the next step or to be ready. You know, I told one girl she needed to quit accepting flowers and dates from other guys if she wanted this guy to propose to her and she's just like no I, and you know and it's just like well if, if you're still on the market then he, he's not getting the message that you want so desperately for him to get you know so like you said the dating thing as well too is just like really yeah that's a funny one that yeah. is a funny one relationships are the most commonly asked questions oh, yeah. that i found i also st i stopped doing most one-to-ones i just have a couple of clients i work with regularly and it's more of uh coaching and and counseling and the, the reason was when I got popular online, it was like the, the pressure and the expectation became so high. And people were like, I want to come see you for one hour. And you're Mr. Magic Man changed my life. And like, I couldn't change my life in one hour. How would I change your life right. in one hour? And so be, the expectations became unreasonable. Um, and so I had to change my format and change what I did. So somebody wants to work with me. Now I only do like two or three people total at a time. And we have to spend months and months building into something that, that really has value. Otherwise, I mean, I think there is value in going to see somebody just for an hour and getting a hello and being validated. You have a, I think that's beautiful. Uh, I did that for 10 years. And, and so just not part not part of my cycle at the moment, but I think there is great value in letting someone else see you for who you are other than your physical body and validating where you are on your path. I just think it's unfortunate that in the healing arts, there's so much, you know, there's no like regulating Hogwarts body, you know, of wizards and warlocks who are like, this is safe and this isn't appropriate. Uh, so it's kind of the wild west and LA is like the ultimate wild west of spirituality. So uh, people, yeah, you have to be careful and, you know, choose wisely. And, uh, but you also like dating, attract people who you're meant to attract at the moment you attract them. And so, yeah. Well, 
and it's interesting though too because sometimes you are going to attract those people who are who are not there in in their highest form we'll we'll put it that way and that's a lesson to be learned but you say it very nicely i would say they have their head stuck up their first chakra <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah definitely yeah and you've been a teacher so you taught intuitive arts and did you feel like the, like, do you feel like everybody is open to that or a few special mm -hmm. people are in, uh, gifted or how do you feel about that? You have to be very special and born in a noble family worth <laughs> a certain amount of money. <laughs> and then you have to send me a percentage. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, actually, I didn't grow up particularly with any like intuitive experiences or awareness. I wasn't see consciously seeing ghosts or anything. I know a lot of people have those stories. I was much more like the average person who just like worked really hard. Like I relentlessly sat in a chair for seven years with my eyes closed, just doing the work every single day over and over and over. And I've actually found this like the kind of more normal, quote unquote, normal person that makes the best student, not necessarily the most spiritual one or the most like psychic or talented. Sometimes those people are so open that they're hard to manage and work with because they're very ungrounded. They're, yeah, they're all here. <laughs> yeah, just kind of floating. And, and so... I actually, I like working with kind of just normal people who are just wanting to develop themselves as, as a person and just grow. They, they tend to make the best students. Um, and so, yeah, once every couple of years, I started an intuitive training program. It lasts like 18 months to 24 months. And I'm going to, we're starting one actually in March. And then that'll be it for me probably for a few years. So, oh, and wow. the way that, yeah, the way that one works is, uh, it takes, you know, it takes a lot of time to develop someone into this skill, in my opinion, in my practice. And, and so you have to really be diligent at working at it, learning, you know, how to ground yourself and how to have good boundaries and how to, how to work through your own pain is probably, in my opinion, 80% of the work. I think when when they're when people come upon a healer that's like a little off and they have a bad experience or they like some information is great and some is like way off that tends to be coming from someone who hasn't worked through a lot of their own pain and so they their filters start to pop in and they start seeing you through their eyes through their own pain instead of through who you seeing into who you really are and i've never found a shortcut around that there's everyone i've ever worked with there's just layers of energy that come with being a human being that need to be worked through and and yeah no shortcuts uh but the training is yeah sitting down learning how to meditate learning how to develop to energy tools and then learning how to see into yourself and then learning how to see into others. So we have one eye, we have two eyes that see the physical world. One eye, we'll call it the mind's eye that can see energy, could see, you know, see your memories, see your ideas, concepts, images. And then why not look into someone else with that eye and see who they are on the inside as well. So it's not actually, it's not very complicated. It's, it's almost hard because it's simple. Right. You know? And I always equate it to like when I was five, six years old I, or four even, I remember I, I picked up my dad's newspaper and I was learning the ABCs and I was like, oh my God, there's thousands of letters. I'll never be able to read this. This is impossible. And then I found myself studying philosophy in college and I could read anything and without any effort. So I see it like that. There's a hell of a learning curve, but then you become fluent. And right. it's actually just like the way I see you now. I can close my eyes and, and see you in a different way. So it shouldn't be that intimidating for people. It's very intimidating. A lot of healers, they, they begin and end with just feeling, right? Like a lot of intuitives, they just, everything is like, I feel like, you'll hear that from them. I feel like you're going through this. I feel like, and I think that's a limited way of reading. It's, it's one way of reading, but a lot of people will, will avoid really seeing. They'll do everything, hands-on healing, feeling. They'll do anything and everything but just really seeing because it's a tough thing to get into, but it's incredibly rewarding once you do.
Right. Well, there was so much to unpack there. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, like uh, that, 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 but, um, with that too, like you said, there's this simplicity of it. And a lot of times we just don't want it to be so simple. We don't want to yeah. say, wow, these are my impressions. And sometimes it's because you're worried that you're going to tell the other person something that's going to be hurtful, you know, or being an empath and saying, gosh, you know, mm, I saw some stuff come up here that you kind of need to work on. Um, that's and, why the training is so long. So you learn the ethics of that, right? Just like becoming a therapist. Right. Yeah. But I think the fact that you're doing an 18 to 24 month program is astounding because too many people are trying to pack that stuff into two weeks, four weeks, six weeks. I see weeks. it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I run a program that's at least a year long and I'm just like, and that's just to, you know, teach the basic stuff because it's not just for me it's not just looking at a card or sitting down with a person it's bringing in this world of information this whole 360 by 360 sphere of information so that you know i'm receiving what i am and like you said though a lot of it even for healers and and what you were saying about we have to get over our own pain and everything like that a lot of times we're brought clients that are actually, I don't know if you've had this situation or not, or if you feel like this is kind of at a, at a little bit of a different level, but sometimes you're brought in clients that are helping like almost, you know, the, the information that you're getting for them is actually what you also need to hear. Oh, I feel like it's almost a hundred percent of the time that's happening. <laughs> yeah. If they're quite the mirror, um, yeah that's it it's incredible how that happens actually yeah you know how people pull a tarot card and they're like oh this is the one it's like that on a whole nother level it's like oh this is the person that's life has sat in front of me to so for example like when i went i remember going through some relationship stuff and then people kept coming to me for relationship stuff i was like oh i gotta look at all of this and other people and work through it myself so i could be neutral with them and it was a beautiful beautiful lesson of really just just uh working through layers as i helped other people at the same time that's really that's like again it's like 80 90 percent of the training is working through your matches with other human beings and this is the most uncomfortable part of intuitive retraining there's nothing more awkward than watching someone train as an intuitive at the beginning stages like go ahead close your eyes look at somebody else and say what you see oh that's it's so awkward at first like i don't know what i'm seeing is this real this is what if i break them and so i mean that's inevitable that's why you want to do it in a safe bubble and you trade with the other students and they understand what level you're at you understand what level they're at and so it's this incubate incubator that you're learning and that's why the training Training is so long and so tightly held uh, and so as you and the reason we read other human beings it's you know there's a lot of angel readers out there which is fine to do that work I think it's great but you know angels don't have to worry about paying the bills they don't have to worry about heartbreak they don't have to worry about uh, raising children or death and so you're not getting the matches with them. They're not ruffling your feathers. They're just, they're just pouring light on you. And you're like, oh, bliss. And that's almost, that could be almost like a drug, you know? Yeah. When you have to read humans, I mean, again, it's like you could read books, but if you have to read a human, if you have to read a human's pain, that's going to ignite something in you. And that's where I think the real work is because you're born a human, you've incarnated as a human, that means that's what you're learning to develop into. So you might as well work with other humans and help them show you what it is that it means to be, to grow into the next deeper part of yourself. So if you, if life keeps bringing you heartbroken people, then maybe it's teaching you something about healing the heart. If life keeps bringing you people that are ungrounded, maybe it's start trying to teach you something about being grounded. And, and so we use those moments as reflections for ourselves to grow. Right. Well, and I think that's a really beautiful message too, especially, you know, for the people who, who 
tend to process more of this love and light. And, and sometimes it's an avoidance mechanism. Sometimes it's, yeah. it's like, I'm going to be with the angels because I don't want to deal right now with all of this hostility and anger and, and human emotion. And unfortunately, you know, um, some people will allow us to spiritual bypass our way out of like that human energy where we're supposed to be because that's what we are. I mean, I love working with angels just as, you know, because it's, it's a part of, you know, my work and, and they're always like, ha ha, you're not as alone as you think you are, you know, um, especially when I need it. But at the same time, I've had to take a step back into myself and ground myself and say, I love all of this beautiful, wonderful information and guidance and support, but there's some human stuff I got to take care Mm. of here. And like you said, they don't have debt. They don't have like, (laughs) gosh, I really need this to come through. And and I'm really kind of upset that you didn't do that. They're just like, well, just send it some love and, you know, bless it and be out of the way. That's um, right. Yeah, that's right. But I think that people are really kind of scared in some ways of um, connecting with the more human side of things, you know, um, especially with the dogma of certain religions in history and things like that, where we've been kind of convinced that working with these energies and reading other people and, and doing a lot of stuff that we've been that have been gifts to us as humans to connect and interact with one another and help each other grow and thrive and love and heal um it's been kind of like verboten or you know forbidden up until this point Mm -hmm. in time and we're really in a great age and era of exploration yeah this is probably the first time in human history where you could be open about all of this anywhere well not anywhere on the planet but i guess in the western world and uh no one's going to burn you at the stake nobody's gonna nobody's going to stop you i think now the witch burning is more on like the academics go you know materialist material reductionist kind of uh, atheist and academics kind of going going after spirituality, um, but it's more of a public shaming than anything else, you know. And that's that's I mean it's okay. That's part of the energy too. That's, right. It'll make you stronger to uh, not need that kind of validation. I mean, I have a degree in Western philosophy, and and so that was always a difficult thing for me. Like what would my teachers and academics think? And, you know, I went back and gave a talk at my old university to, as an alumni to a group of students and looked around and realized these are all lovely people, but boy, are they stuck in their heads. And that's being an intellectual, you know, being an academic, uh, being a very rational agent. That's just one form of life. It, we're taught in school that it's the highest form of life. There's nothing higher than to be the smartest person in the room, but that's just one form of intelligence. And I think it's very, I think there's hubris in believing that it's the highest, most profound form of intelligence. And because of that self like fulfilling prophecy that this, because intellectualism and rationality is the highest form of intelligence, that must automatically mean whatever you're saying doesn't make any sense and isn't true. It's not a genuine, I mean, how many academics do you know who went, who actually went, all right, I'm going to sit down and do do this intuitive training for a couple of years. And then let me find out, then let me find out if it works or not. They're not actually ever willing to do that, right? They just stay in the ivory castle of that rational space. So, um, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I do. Life's too short. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But I feel like there's, you know, I'm I'm into Joe Dispenza right now, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and, and you probably are really familiar with him. But he says, like, the language of mysticism now is science. And I feel like we're coming to a point right now where we're on the cusp of some really great, um, you know, breakthroughs. But I also feel like the human body and the human mind are the most precise instruments of measurement that we actually have available to us. And they're much more, you know, when you walk into a room and you feel 
that burst of energy or when you're working with a client or even when you're sitting within yourself and you just feel that, you know, that expansion, even if somebody wants to intellectually deny that it happened, yeah. you can't. Yeah, actually, so my last podcast guest was William Arnst, the creator of uh, What the Bleep Do We Know? So he actually oh, made, yeah. basically, he made Joe Dispenza famous from that, uh, from that film. Yeah, I, I wonder, you know, I remember in 2012 when it was all the rage of like this next cycle, you know, coming through and the world changing. I don't think I, I don't see it that way. I don't know if spirituality and science will merge in the way that all the spiritual people we hope it will in the near future i think you have an element of that there are some people that see the world that way but i don't i don't know i think the way i see it is more pluralistic like when you look at earth if you know i've traveled a fair amount around this planet and lived on a bunch of continents and you know there are some places on earth you go there and it's 1250 ad like right now right. you go to some places it feels like 200 bc you go to go to japan it's like 2250 over there <laughs> it's the future you know what i mean so i don't see the earth as like just one time period and one entity like india i still live in india india is its own planet in a sense, uh, if we were to look at it from like the Star Trek perspective of all these different planets and, and civilizations, I, my sense is that exists all on Earth. Uh, so there are pockets where spirituality and science are coming together and there are pockets of beautiful ev evolution of the heart and love and, and peace. And there are some brutal places where women are incredibly mistreated and dogma and ideology is as backwards as it could possibly be so i kind of see i see the all of that and i think it's important to just recognize that all of the above kind of maybe exists and will for a while uh i never try to simplify it too much where the world's just going to like polarize i know that's very common like the world's going to polarize between light workers and the darkness i don't i think it, it's much more complicated. I think there's a lot, there's a lot on the menu <laughs> all right. at once. Right. Well, yeah. and that's a really interesting viewpoint and one that's, you know, seen, so you have the experience to back it up. So, because a lot of people, it seems like don't leave kind of their little 50 mile radius and, and get out into the world. Even myself, I mean, as, as far as I've traveled here and there and there, you know, most of the time I go to places that are um, safe for women to travel, safe mm -hmm. for children, mostly Western culture um, places. And so, yeah, I have kind of an altered view, yeah. perhaps. If, if, I mean, there are pockets in the United States. Yeah, I true. mean, you can go to um, East LA, pocket, I mean, pockets in Africa, in the Middle East, in Papua New Guinea, and pockets where if you went you'd be like whoa i don't think i see the world moving forward at the moment right here this is very intense and then and then you'll see the opposite as well so i think i mean definitely you live in europe and austria it's a very nice loving safe relatively safe bubble i mean there's political things going on there as well um, yeah so uh, yeah i don't know I don't, I don't know which way the world is going. Sometimes I wonder, <laughs> but all, all we can do is share, share our work and our light and our, and our thing and see how many people catch on. You know? Right. Right. But also what you're describing too is a microcosm as well. You know, every mm. neighborhood almost has a household or, or the people, you know, where some people are very much more forward thinking and then you have like, you know, Archie, um, what's his name archie bunker living down the street with edith and you know and so it's really you know kind of the bigger world view in a smaller arena kind of so to speak. yeah and you know i know so joe dispenza for example his entire teaching is is based on the science that he understands and and reprogramming the mind and you know he healed himself mm -hmm. with, when he broke his back and, and all of that. But 
the, what I always add to that is, you know, in your lifetime, in our lifetimes, science probably will not figure it all out. Right. Maybe science will never figure it all out. And you don't want to wait for science to catch up to what you believe is true. I think you are your own inner scientist, right? You go inwards. You can experience the whole vastness of the universe when you close your eyes. And don't let science or intellectuals or the world take that away from you. Don't let them take that power away from you. You know, imagine if the Buddha was going to go sit under the tree and he was like, well, the science isn't quite out yet on if meditating is good right. for you or not. Or the science isn't quite there on what the truth of the universe is or what the neurons are made of. Imagine how much poorer the world would be if he had done that or Jesus or, you know, enter, put the name, name in the blank. So, and I think if you have something in you that's developing, you know, let that develop and, and don't let that stop you. It stopped me for a while because of my because of my background in philosophy and just, you know, growing up in the West and, you know, all, all of that jazz. And I, I think especially if you're a healer, that I don't know if science will catch up to that in our lifetime. And I've had people like Dean Radin, Dr. Dean Radin the chief scientist at the Center for Noetic Sciences on. He's like the world's foremost psi or psychic researcher on. He has beautiful science and, and research that he's done. He's proven so much in the world, just like, eh. <laughs> right? So do your, I say, do your thing, do your thing uh, on the inside. If the world wants to catch up, great. If not, it's okay. But uh, just like I would say, like the Buddha sitting under a tree, he was, he didn't wait for anybody to validate what he was doing. Right. Now you mentioned something like you sat for seven years, and I think I was watching something that you said when other people would have been partying and going out and doing the college thing. Yeah. You're meditating. Like yeah. so, what well, so I did the. <laughs> yeah, so I did the college thing. Well, interestingly, I kind of had my first, I guess you'd call it spiritual awakening when I was 16. Uh, I opened up Eckhart Tolle's book in the year 2000, and it really hit me like page three, like a light bulb went off. Something happened to me. It was like lifetimes of meditating woke up in me. Uh, and so I started meditating a lot deeply at that time. It's almost like a honeymoon period of my life that I think back on. Like, wow, I could just sit and meditate for hours and be so present. And it was so new. It was beautiful. Uh, and then I went to college. <laughs> and I did party. And I did all the things. Played hockey. And, you know, did all the things in college. And, uh, and then I, you know, eventually. And then I was a party tour guide in Spain. So I partied really oh, wow. hard for a year after college, like very, very hard, still meditating simultaneously. You know, the body has its cycles and the intellect and the psyche have their natural cycles that are unavoidable. Maybe they're avoidable. I didn't avoid them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I moved to India, lived in the ashrams and went deeper into Vedanta and Zen and Hinduism and Buddhism and all of those ancient traditions. And then I eventually moved to Hawaii for seven years, uh, trained in an intuitive center school and then eventually became a teacher and then the, the director of that school and so yeah that was a seven-year cycle for me and as we were talking before the show a little bit uh you know it was a non-profit they never made any money i was putting in 70 plus hours a week trying you know yeah just love just pure love into it and one you know you get to a certain age where you're like i'd love to make a living so i could have a family and that just wasn't going to happen there in that structure and so i eventually left the island and started my own work some years back and and that's been flowering nicely for me and, and developing and and so that was a whole new kind of uh, arc of my life. I had to learn this business of spirituality. How do I develop content and share it with the world? How do I, how do I make this my life and my career? And, and that was something it took a lot of time to deepen into and which I enjoy helping other people figure out as well. So, so yeah, the, it started with a book at 16 and kind of took me all around the world. And then here we are. <laughs> wow. Wow. It sounds like a fascinating journey. Like you should write a book about your experiences. I am right now oh, in the middle. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I'll have to like, um, let me know when it's about to be released so I can pick it up and, and read it because it sounds it, fascinating. Thank you. Yeah. Writing a book is probably the hardest thing I've ever worked on. It's a tough one. 
but uh, it's a great it's a great challenge yeah oh that's yeah i can imagine i work with a lot of authors too so but what you're saying too is really interesting because there's this point when you're doing your your work and and you're just going at it with this passion and this love for sharing and just you just want to share this healing and 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 have it available and then you understand that well that's not paying for like anything in my life and I can't and, even buy lunch <laughs> yeah yeah well for me it was it was I, I was sitting and doing readings and I, I was running a group on Facebook and my son was like three and he's like mommy and I'm like wait a second I'm finishing up a reading here mm. you know mommy can can you do this for me and I'm like I have these readings to do you know and they were free readings and, and oh. something inside me clicked and I was just like, my kid is only going to be three. Four. Once. Yeah, <laughs> once. And, and these, you know, like, I can't, I can't tell you the time is invaluable to me. And so me, and this has been my big Achilles heel and my big, um, you know, issue or whatever I have to deal with is this porous boundaries and this overgiving and this, you know, like in, in that and understanding like self, yes, you know, versus, um, people. Yeah. Well, so, and that brings up a great point. I think a lot of people listening to this experience the same exact thing that you do. And so do I, I have very often, I think creating a boundary is, is really about taking your power back and respecting your own energy and your space. And money is one form of boundary. So I'll have a lot of people email me pages of question or things they want me to respond to. And I have to respond very short, shortly or not respond because that's my boundary. I, I don't have the time to respond to all of that, right, for free. I just wouldn't be able to create content and there would be no David left. It'd be a puddle on the floor of tiredness. Uh, and and so, for, so I created structures. Okay, you want to ask me a question, then I, you know, come into my class online. It's not expensive. It's like costing less than two bucks a day. And in that space, you can ask me a question, but make a little bit of a commitment. Mm. Well, there are people that just want free. They just, they're, they're in a place in life where they're just kind of taking energy because there's a hole and they're just used mm. to taking, taking. And if you feed that, that hole gets bigger in them. It doesn't actually help. Even if you give them the best advice and answer their question and pour love on them, it might, it might just feed the hole. That they, they, then they learn, oh, that's how I get it. You might have, by showing them the boundary, you might have to, you, you show them, no, look, I have value. You have value. Let's do this in a different way. And so, and so there's a, infinite number of structures. If you feel super uncomfortable charging people a lot of money, then fine, don't. Uh, I have courses on Insight Timer. I have over 20, maybe almost 20,000 students in my courses. That's only $8 a month and you could have 300 courses all at once. I mean, what is that? 30 cents a day? I mean, like, so if somebody can't do that, then, you know, they have other bigger issues than than oh. what they're asking you about. If you are comfortable, I have, I have, a, I have a friend who charges $5,000 a session and only works with a certain caliber person because that's where, what they do, where they are. That's not for everybody, but that's, that's the way they do it. And, um, and then there's everything in between, right? So for me, I have all of the above. Uh, I have fr tons of free content. I have very low cost content. I have, you know, medium, 49 bucks a month to be in my meditation school where I teach live every month, you get to come. And then I have, you know, intuitive training, which is in the thousands because you're dealing, you're in a class and one-on-one -on -one with teachers and it's a very long program that's held tightly. And then, you know, one-on-one uh, -on -one with just me, which I do very little of, and then retreats. So right. there's, I have, there's a whole range and not everything is for everyone. And then, you know, there'll be a book and that's a few dollars. So I think you have to find 
you have to go, okay, how much energy do I have? What do I really want to offer? What do I feel comfortable with? And then build it. I mean, there's, there's something for everyone. So if you're like, I truly feel free is the way for me right now, then just give everything away for free. But if you make a decision out of survival, like, oh crap, I need to pay the rent. So I'm going to charge a thousand dollars a reading and you're not there yet. And you don't feel good about that. That's going to warp those readings that's going to warp that relationship with those people because there's this weird money element versus no this is a healthy exchange and that's people always ask me how do i price something how do i know what to charge is a reading worth a hundred dollars is it worth a thousand the truth is a good reading is worth tens of thousands of dollars if maybe priceless but you have to put a price on it so that you have to decide a couple of things for example how many hours in a week do you want to work? Person tells me, I have 20 hours in a week. I have to raise my kids the other 20. Okay, how much do you need to make to feel comfortable? They give me a number. Okay, well then let's break it down. This is what you feel comfortable with. This is how much time you have. Does that feel good to you? Meditate with that. And they're like, yeah, that feels great. All right, we found an equation that works for you. Right. So if I'm personally, if I'm only going to do two readings a month, then the price is going to be higher. I'm going to put everything into those two sessions. And so in anything in life, like what is it worth for you to go work at a corporation 50 hours a week and give your soul away? You know, what is it worth it? To, what are these? What is it worth it to you? And what is it worth it to them? And is, is that something there can be an agreement about? You know, and letting go of the guilt. There's a lot of guilt and shame around money. There's so much guilt and shame around money, almost just like sex. There's all this guilt and shame around these two topics. And you might have to work through those layers. Right. Because part of it is like, what is your value? What are you worth? Um, and, and people, they have, if they have a low self-value, they'll feel guilty about charging any money. Right. Well, one of the things too, I realized, like, I don't have to compete at the lower end. I don't have to compete with like the newbies who are just dipping their toe in this. I'm teaching it, you know? So, so in the same way that you are, you have your, your, you have something for everyone at every level. So, and that's fabulous. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I, I probably could talk to you forever because I'm like, okay, so should we talk about narrowing down your focus? Because having all of those levels can be a little bit daunting. So, you know, how much time do you put into meditation? How much time do you put into, you know, um, growing the the intuitive program, um, making Great. courses? Great question. For, first, you have to find out what part of the cycle you're in. So I've seen a lot of people jump into the business side too quickly and they don't have enough training. They're not actually developed enough. And then everything gets kind of really wobbly. So, so let's, let's say, for example, you're, you're ready. You're like, you've done enough healing. You've done enough work training. Like you're ready for your business side of things, for example, or you've already been in it for a while. And now I want to have a podcast and an app and a book and a this and a that 90 90- students in every class and you're just like you're so you drink a cup of coffee and you're like i'm doing everything i'm conquering the spiritual world oprah (laughs) i'm coming and so so you you have that vibe natural enthusiasm great so happy you have that let's let's harness that let's let's rein it in the way i like to describe it it's like your business and this could be in life too just doesn't have to be a business but let's say it's your business it has branches coming off the tree one branch social media all right i'm going to do instagram and facebook all right now there's two branches coming off of that one uh i'm going to do youtube here's another branch i'm going to do an app here's another branch each of these i'm going to do one-to-ones i'm going to do retreats each of these branches however much work you think it is it's 10 times that much work right so now you have to decide Am I going to hire people to help me? Can I invest in that? Because you don't know how to do the plumbing. You don't know how to build the building. You're, you're the creative, for example. So you might need to hire people to help you. Or, you know, you realize I don't need to do eight things at once. What if I did one thing or two things really, really well? 
So maybe that, maybe that one thing is just, I make a podcast and I give it my whole life energy and I just make it really good and I share it and I share it and I share it until it catches fire. And then when it does, then maybe I'll sell a course or I'll, I'll offer one-to-ones, but not right out of the gate because you're building trust. So you have to look, where can I prune my tree? Yes, maybe you end up doing everything, but you don't end up doing everything at once in the beginning. So Oprah, on day one, she didn't have her her empire. (laughs) She didn't. Oprah didn't start with it. She took over Donahue's show that was Chicago Land. In yeah, I was probably like ten years old when that happened. I saw her first, like when he gave Oprah the mic. You know, like Uh, that moment. Yeah, that's amazing she didn't grow her empire in like a flash in the pan. And that's what too many people are seeing, you know, $10,000 a month in, in six weeks and this and that. And the other thing is just like, like you said, do your podcast, get your free information, figure out who you are and how you want people to see you. Yes. And the, Yes, and the barrier of entry has never been lower. You could start a podcast on a $20 a month budget. Barrier of entry is very, very low. You can start a YouTube channel for free. Uh, And I think Tony Robbins always says, you know, we, we overestimate what we can get done in a year, underestimate what we can get done in five. That's true for spirituality. That's true for life. That's true for business. So Take your time inch by inch, really do the work authentically and honestly. And the, the tree always bears the fruit if, you, if it actually grows. So if it's not bearing fruit, we have to look at what's happening. But eventually it will bear fruit if you're, if you're doing your work diligently. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the thing too. A lot of people give up too quick. They give up after three months or, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> by three months nobody really knows who you are yet that's Even. right i have a friend who just went through that started the, <laughs> my friend started a business and three months and he's like oh it's not making any money i'm going to try something else and i was like whoa give it three years right right that's that's not enough time you have to let it really let it develop i had dinner with uh i won't say who it is but a very very famous musician who is in the billions of views on youtube for example and uh, he gave me amazing business advice that, that I used for a while that was very helpful. And he said, listen, he said, your career, it's like a tree. Like I was just saying, he said, he said it, it's like you have a fruit, like a mango that's growing. And once it starts growing, people will try to pick it off the tree too soon. Agents, managers, people that want to profit off of you. He said, they don't care enough about you. They're just trying to pull the fruit maybe students even and he said you don't let them do that to you let it let it really grow fully and then it'll drop off the tree when it's ready naturally there's no effort in it dropping off of the tree and as simple as that sounds it was profound advice because like the next day somebody offered me something on the business side and it really felt like what he was saying they were trying to pull it off too soon and I said no and I felt really good about that so being aware of that this is you this is your life this is your tree you're bearing the fruit you get to decide and you want it to come out sweet and not sour <laughs> yeah yeah and definitely ready to be consumed Yes, absolutely. And the same is true for relationships. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm not doing the spiritual business, maybe it's true for relationships for you. Maybe you keep jumping in too soon and you haven't refined your energy enough. You weren't actually ready. You didn't work through enough pain or limitation or or whatever it was. The, the, The laws of growth are true in every direction, no matter what you're working on. And there, there are no real shortcuts. They're, they're just, there just aren't. But I would say, it, whatever you're working on, hire an expert, hire a coach, 
or hire a guide. I've had business coaches that helped me make 10 times as much progress as I would have on my own because I just didn't understand things that I I just couldn't figure out on my own. Uh, I have a friend, Scott, who's an awesome relationship coach. If if that's where you're struggling through a heartbreak or divorce or, or, or creating a partner, get somebody to help you who's a pro at it. If you need a therapist, I have a bookkeeper and an accountant. Without them, I would be lost. I can't do those numbers on my own. So, or a spiritual counselor or a guide. People are so hesitant to spend money on making themselves better and getting the help they need is crazy. They'll spend $100 on dinner and not on somebody to help them find their soulmate. Right. It's just, it's nuts. Right. Uh, I, have, I have a piano teacher. I started taking piano lessons. I made more progress in six weeks than I did in, in two years. Right. And what did it cost me? A few hundred dollars? And it felt so good. So pull that trigger if you're, if you're thinking about that. Find a good guide, coach, healer, consultant, whatever it is that you need. Let their expertise help you. I, that, I think that's like the most underrated thing. It's so People just are so hesitant. They feel like everyone's going to try to take their money or something. Find somebody that's really good at what you need done and let them help you. That would right. be my advice. Well, and so many people have discovery sessions, you know, for the most part, like I I won't do free readings for somebody like you, you know, I get a lot of emails that are just like, here's my problem, give me a reading, you know, but if I'm, you know, looking for a coach or a therapist, I'm going to look at a few people's pictures, I'm going to look at their websites, I'm going to see, does their energy match up to me? Is there something that seems off about them or, or something that just doesn't resonate and then take it to the next level have a conversation with them. Is it resonating? Is it flowing? Do they feel like they can help you out? You know, and then. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I was working with a very wealthy uh, business executive once and I said, let's, let's map out your values. I want, tell me your values. And the person was like, uh, what? (laughs) I said, your values in life. Do you value freedom? Do you value family? Do you value love? Do you value growth? Do you value connection? And, and this person was like, uh, what? (laughs) Someone so wealthy, so successful, right? By every standard of society, you know, every measurement, uh, and and no structure for their values. And it's like, how do you make big decisions in life if you don't know what your values are? If your number one value is family, then that should be on the top of your list every day of the things you're doing, focusing on. If it's freedom, if it's the ability to travel, then you should be looking at ways of being an entrepreneur and making money and not working for somebody else. So, uh, and that was one session with the guy and he was like, oh my God, what are my values? How, am I, how have I been making these massive decisions that affect all of these people without knowing what they are? Right. Um, and I've had that done to me too. David, what's your value of your business? I was like, what? what do you, what's your value proposition? What are you sharing? Put, get, put it into words. Give me a sentence. Oh, uh, I, do, I help people. Uh, I was like fumbling. Oh my God, I feel like such a schmuck right now. I have no idea. And we need a coach or a guide to work us through those awkward moments of those unconscious you know, spots in ourselves that we never fully explored. And this is why people refrain from marketing and from building a business because they, they're going to touch all of those places that they just haven't fully thought through. And you need help when it comes to that. Well, most people do anyway. I definitely did. I was like, I don't know. I teach stuff. What do you mean? Leave me alone. I hate you. I've quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not going to get you so many clients. I guess you no. that switcher on. But no, but it's understandable. And a lot of times, like you said, like with the accountant or the bookkeeper or something like that, there's just stuff that I'm just like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with... I would love to give my social media to somebody else to just handle that, you know, but it, yes, I was going to say, so keep, let's keep Sue in her genius zone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you do amazing readings and that's like the greatest value you can give the world, how do we build a structure around that? So you can do more of that and less of everything else. And everybody's happy because there are people out there that love bookkeeping. There are people out there that love, 
helping in administrative ways surprisingly boggles my mind, but they like it. <laughs> and right. so everybody gets to do their genius work and everybody gets to thrive. I think that's what society is. That's what it means to have community. And, and you don't need to feel guilty or bad about that. Right. But I think that you hit the keyword there, like the, the one that I feel like a lot of people, because I run a group of spiritual business, you know, people who are just starting out, oh, cool. they want only flow and no structure. And it's just yeah. like, you know, you have to tell them about the lazy river, you know, you're floating down the lazy river, but it has to have banks or That's else right. you're just going to, it's just going to be water flowing out the sides of everything. Like, and, and then when you have that structure, you know, on Tuesday, Thursday and Friday, you're riding for two hours in the morning and you're kind of prepped for that when you go to bed and you meditate and you think about, you know, kind of what you're going to come up with or what you can channel in the morning. And then, you know, whatever other days you're doing your social media. So putting that structure into place is key. It's vital and it allows for more flow and mm. more freedom and yeah, too many people avoid it. I couldn't have put it better. Yeah, that I think exactly right. Exactly. Uh, people, and then there are people in other worlds, in the corporate world, they're obsessed with structure. They have no flow. Yeah. But yes, the spiritual people tend to be all flow, no structure, and, and that's what they need. I know that's what I always need. That's what I always struggle with as well. I, I think the river analogy is, is beautiful. Um, so give it some damn structure. <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I was just going to say last thing, that's what intuitive training is for people in this world is we're giving your abilities and your growth structure. That's all it is. It's like, you know, when you watch a, a tomato plant grow, like there's like a fence on it that it like climbs up to, or like it goes around the tomato plant so it doesn't fall over when it gets too tall. So right. it's, you, you give the growth structure. That's right. I like that analogy too. So yeah. yeah, some things need, you know, and especially something as tender as intuitive practice, because yeah. it is, it's something that can be really scary and really vulnerable, mm -hmm. especially. And so helping people to kind of draw that out and then become comfortable and um, supported in that is really wonderful. So fabulous. Yes. So how can people find you? Like you have a podcast, you have such interesting people. I, like I said, I could probably talk to you for like three days. Like, here's the extended interview. So how can people find you? Yes. A uh, couple ways. If you're interested in the spiritual side of things and the intuitive arts, uh, energymattersacademy.com. The podcast is energy matters. Uh, and if you're interested in intuitive training it starts i believe march 25th we don't even have the sales page up yet but we have an interest list that's that, that's up there and and then um if you're interested in more of the meditation side of things you can find me on insight timer the the meditation app and i i have what i focus a lot on right now is i have meditation school so that's where i teach live every a couple times a month uh, different topics and everyone comes into the zoom room and we kind of do some work together and that's been a really fun place for me and so you can find links to all my stuff uh on my main website which is just davidgandelman.com okay and i'll have all of that information in the show notes below on you know on soundcloud on youtube on the Thank website you. so yeah so it has been lovely speaking with you it's been so interesting and fascinating and i'm so happy to have for you to have reached out for an interview. So thank, thank you. you Sue. It's been a pleasure. And thank you everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. And um, so everyone, again, this is Sue Ellis Seller from Spiritual Business Spotlight. And today I was talking with David Gandelman. So you can find him at www.davidgandelman.com. Or you can find him also at energymattersacademy.com. So take care. Have a lovely one. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today on Spiritual Business Spotlights podcast. We would love it if you would follow us and like our page.
And just for your future reference, you can find other interesting interviews and articles on www.spiritualbusinessspotlight.com. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah.